You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Surprise, midweek, emergency, Thursday, Friday, whatever you want to call it, Locked On Pacers podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the podcast, and today is a big day for the Pacers. They have hired the next head coach of their team. My name's Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And joining me on the other line, of course, my co-host Adam Friedman, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire to break down the big news in Indiana. The Pacers, after moving on from Isaiah Thomas last year, are hiring Rick Carlisle to be their new head coach. Wait, that was 2004. The Pacers are moving on from Nate Bjorkman and are hiring Rick Carlisle to be the franchise's next head coach recently announced by Tim McMahon of ESPN, confirmed by Jay Michael of the Indianapolis Star, Adrian Wojnarowski, and The Athletic. Everybody's got it. Adam, what was your first reaction when you heard the news that the Pacers are hiring their former head coach, Rick Carlisle, to be the franchise's next head coach? I love this hire. Um, he is maybe the best coach of the Pacers in the last 20 years. Uh, I think there's a case you make that maybe 25 years. Bird was a really good coach for those three seasons, but Carlisle – was the basically took the team the most wins ever in uh 0304. Now, granted, that was also the team was really good. So there's some there's obviously a, a pull, a push and pull, but he's basically a winning coach literally every season he's coached in this league, outside of like two or three where the Mavs were rebuilding. I mean, every single year he gets teams to like 50 wins and 45 wins, and then he has and you give him the right roster, he'll get you 57, 61, and get you in the East Coverage Finals. Um, he's a I think a fantastic coach, and that kind of what this team needs right now. He got the starting lineup of Rajon Rondo, Monte Ellis, Chandler Parsons, Dirk, and Tyson Chandler. They're the 50, top offensive rating in the league that year, right? 50 wins, yeah. So his X's and O's acumen is is brilliant. His resume is fantastic. His time with the Pacers before was was pretty interesting because, that, like you said, that first year was spectacular. They win 61 games. They lose in the conference finals to Detroit, and then the brawl year really messed up any good he, analysis. He still dragged those brawl. Like, he was... He, he had these like weird he had the semifinals that year. Yeah, I mean that uh, he did such a good job in one of the, like like the, probably the hardest circumstances to ever coach a team, especially because that team had championship aspirations, and all of a sudden like half their you know their two most talented players were spending for twenty five and seventy five games apiece basically uh, in Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest, and then they originally also hurt that season. I mean it was like yeah he he did a fantastic job just drag like basically pulling together. I mean there were times he's playing six guys. I remember I went to a game where they played six players in a regular season game with like. And it was like, I believe it was like Fred Jones and Austin Crozier were the leading like scores in that game. I believe they won it as well. I mean, it was, he did a, a great job last time he was here. I will want to do want to brag for a second that I, I texted him when he, when he quit on a, what was it Saturday? He quit from the Mavs or last Friday or whatever it happened, fire, whatever you want to call it. I said, oh, would he be good at the Pacers? He said, no way he's going to the Pacers. So you were wrong. I'm surprised. Well. I'm surprised. But half because, right, we've heard Pritchard talk about communication being so important for two hires in a row, basically. And there's been reports about Carlisle rubbing with players in the past. So I figured they would go a little more of a kumbaya coach who's still good at the X's and O's stuff. And not that Carlisle's bad at that stuff. And I actually have never personally interacted with him. I'm just going off of what reporting says. So that's why I'm a little surprised there. But his X's and O's stuff speaks for itself, right? Like every team he's on is fantastic. The Mavs were first in offensive rating in 2019-20, Luca's sophomore season. And it's like Luca and Tim Haraway and Porzingis, like that's a good, those are good players, but you would not expect that team to have what at the time was the best offensive rating ever. Now that got beat by six different teams, seven different teams this season. They were eighth in offensive rating this past season. So his 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 X's and O's skills speak for themselves. And like you said, the records 
speak for themselves. Brilliant half court offense sets. We'll get to uh, something from Ron our test actually in a second relating to that. But yeah, that's why I was surprised. Also because there was reporting that he could get the Bucks job. And at the time you texted me that the Bucks were still potentially going to lose to the Nets, yeah, but it, they were. It, it, it all worked out fantastic for the Pacers that they're able to, to get a guy like Rick Carlisle, who's a great coach and doesn't really have a hole in his, in his on court coaching style. So for a team that had a lot of holes uh, the last two seasons on various ends of the floor, uh, it's it's a big hire for their basketball process. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the best five or seven coaches in the league right now. I would agree with that in terms of in the games, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, I, I think when it comes like just taking a roster's talent to the, like a maximizing it, basically, I think he's yeah. one of the best at that, right? I mean, you look at, you just go through, I mean, look at some of the Pacers teams he, he coached towards the end of his run. Look at some of the Mavs teams. Uh, and how he was able to take kind of basically a team that was dirt with a bunch of like really good role players and made a championship level team. And even with Luca rebuilding the team and in between having to build a Monte Ellis team, right. That team got Monte Ellis, that big Pacers contract, frankly, because he was so good that season. So uh, that yeah. kind of stuff for the Pacers in hindsight, but uh, yeah, I, I think this hire is great for the, for them because I think they needed somebody they were looking, they, I felt like they were going to be stuck with maybe not a top tier candidate, but like the next year, right? like Terry Stott is a good coach, but I don't think he's like, He's not, he's not a championship winning coach, right? What Carlisle is, right? And that's, that says something, even though, obviously, I don't think, although Dana Lowe is probably close to Nowitzki's level, but I think um, just the rosters with uh, Carlisle coach has been a little better than anything Stotts has gotten. But like, but the are going to be in that next tier of experienced coaches, not like this top tier. And so they were just fortunate that a lot of kind of things broke their way, whether it's a Kevin Durant toe, whether it's just whatever's going on in the Dallas front office right now and all that mess, like this broke their way. And they got a guy who I think, if you were is on the level of like a Mike D'Antonio, I thought would have been the perfect hire here. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good hire. And you mentioned getting a lot out of players, right? We've seen like Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith all have really spectacular seasons with the Mavs over the last couple of seasons, right? Getting a lot out of them. You can go back to past seasons and find other guys like Seth Curry, who improved his value a ton uh, under him in recent seasons. So he clearly has some understanding of how to get a lot out of guys. And that was a lot of guards, I just said, too. Uh, in the modern NBA. So I'll be very interested in like the Warren Levert Brogdon trio in particular going forward. And we can do pods next week talking about who really benefits from his hire. Like we tried to do last year with Bjorker. And although that didn't end up becoming super, you know, impressive on our part with the resumes there, something else that's subtle that I like about this hire is he played in the league, right? It wasn't a long time. I think he only played for five seasons uh, all with the Celtics. So he had one year with the Nets at the end of his career. That's right. Um, but a former player is is a big deal. Won a championship as a player and a coach. Uh, championship experience, not obviously like a huge deal, but it's certainly helpful. And the former player stuff really matters, right? Look at all the coaches still left. Monty Williams used to play. Uh, Nate McMillan used to play. I, I can't think of the team still alive right now because I'm just staring at a basketball reference sheet. But like a lot of the, we talked about this before, like a lot of the coaches still left in the playoffs are former players. So they have at least some understanding of what goes on in the league, what goes on with the playing and stuff like that. So he checks a lot of important boxes for the Pacers and as their next head coach. And I think he can be a fantastic fit for this basketball team. Yeah. I think he also has enough guts to be able to tell the team, maybe we can't play both centers. And that's that he come with it with, with, with a stature that I think is, um, Hard to find, right? It's hard to find a coach that like, like he's in that position where like he's a championship winning coach. Almost any team would want to hire him. That's why he felt like he was going to go to a team that was even closer to a championship, like the Bucks. Um, and so like he can come in and say, well, this is what we should be doing and not necessarily kind of could take the the front office pressure in some ways. I don't know that really have much pressure in the front office anymore for the center thing, but I do think that was part of the last hire was that was a factor. And like, we want somebody to make these guys work. Now we'll see if that's going to 
you know, play out going forward. Yeah. So there's something else big about this hire that we haven't even brought up yet that I want to talk about. But first, I got to talk about the awesome folks over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. My Phillies just blew an embarrassing game two nights ago. You can track all the baseball action over at BetOnline.ag, plus NBA playoff action, NHL playoff action, fighting action, UFC, MMA, and NFL will be here in no time. Preseason's only like a month and a half away. So before the next pitcher tip, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the game as teams prep their runs to a title. Head over to that website, betonline.ag, on your mobile device or your computer. Sign up today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. When you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So we've sort of beat around the bush at the other big part of this hire, Adam, and that is per Tim McMahon and Quentin Mayo, four years, $29 million for Rick Carlisle to come to the Pacers. And with a guy with his history, of course, that's what it's going to take, right? You can't get these, these short deals like you got with Bjorkren because he has proven experience. He knows he's good. But that is a hell of a commitment from the Pacers, both in salary and years. So they really believe he's the right coach for this team. And for good reason, he has a fantastic resume of coaching. But that is a huge commitment. That means he's going to be the coach of this team for going forward through this core. As this core grows and whatever players they draft or whatever are on this team going forward, he, like he is the, the guy for this core. That is a huge commitment. Um, the Pacers clearly very clearly believe he's the right guy for this hire. And it's it's awesome to see the that after you know some questions about right they they promoted assistance for their last two hires and then an assistant from a different team for the hire before that right there were some sort of floating questions about the big spending on the coach you know that's something that there's no salary cap on coaches it's talked about all the time as a big advantage if you're willing to pony up the money for the best coaches that's a big advantage for a good teams so to commit both in years and dollars a big amount to Rick Carlisle is a huge deal from the Pacers. Yeah, I think this is like maybe the biggest part of this whole thing is that the team actually shelled out some money for the take for a coach. We were hearing last year it was going to cost like $7 million a year for D'Antoni. I think that was what somebody kind of been floated out a little bit. Um, who knows? And the, we were like, oh, would the Pacers be able to pay that? Would they want to? Pandemic here throws it up. Those are kind of in a loop. Now, granted, we're heading towards what's probably going to be like a regular NBA season with full fans. So there's also some, you know, this time around, there's not like this uncertainty about when we get out of this pandemic and when are we going to be able to, you know, get, you know, the, the revenue flowing back in. And so, Maybe that helped them kind of push them along to want to pay big money, but it shows that the Pacers identified somebody they wanted and they got aggressive for it and they they went out, right? Because, I mean, I think there are other teams who probably would want to hire Carlisle as well. I mean, obviously, uh, Celtics made their decision, um, but, I mean, he could have waited around. He could have set out a year like a coach and got paid next year. I mean, they, they clearly wanted him now and they were willing to, like, meet his demand, it seems like. This is a lot of money for a coach. It's probably the most ever they paid for a coach. If I, had I don't know contracts for coaches enough to know that. Specifically, but it's, it's on the high end for coaches in general. You, I mean, the going rate was like five million for a while. Obviously, it's probably been up in recent years, but this is like this is top level dollar for a coach, right? And and it, like you don't, and just in general with like what this means for the team. Obviously, having him for a long time is fantastic because of the extra no stuff. But like, you don't hire at Carlisle and then like retool or rebuild, right? Like that they think he can build the core that they have into a winner of some kind. Maybe they still make their big moves, right? I still think they should, but th- this is a hire both in terms of his resume, the gears, and the dollars that suggests the Pacers are going in to try to win with the team they have right now. Uh, obviously, with upgrades going forward, but it, it's it's a uh, that that is such a commitment, and that is a, a big deal from a team that had kind of been dancing around it, especially with the hiring of Bjorkren, which didn't work. So I think that's 
just as like you just said, beyond that, he's an amazing coach, just as big of a deal that they, that they were shelling out the money in the years for him. I like that the length of Sabonis' contract left is is four years or three years, right? Yeah. Um, they have the so he's basically with this team through the core that they have now. I'd consider Sabonis's like window length the core length that they have because he is the longest deal of any of their starters right now with the team. So that they they are committed to Carlisle with this group, and I think that is 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 noble and smart, and I'm glad that they were able to. To, to identify their guy and commit to him for a long time instead of just dancing around it with a two plus one that didn't even work out. Yeah. I mean, just by comparison, like Doc Rivers last year, I think got five for 40 on his coaching contract. Um, okay. I think before he had been coached GM, so he probably made a different salary. Um, let's look up, I think I can look up CNS. It looks like, like like he's getting paid the going rate for top level coaches. I mean, it's somewhere between seven and like 10. I mean, I think Pavich makes, you know, a, a ton of money because he's a GM coach he's and been also there for like forever. Five times, you know, five times winner, you know, that, that, that definitely helps change a winning coach. So yeah, they, they went out and shelled them I mean, they didn't, they didn't go with a, they didn't go with somebody who might be in a less advantageous position to, to leverage them. Like, I mean, I think they could have got somebody like Stotts or Clifford for less money um, or they can go with somebody new who definitely taking less money. Cause it's their first time around. They, uh, they, they ponied up, which is encouraging, I guess that it must, it, it means they want to be competitive the next two, three, four seasons, which means that hopefully they'll make some moves to try to be more competitive, right? I mean, we know they want to be competitive, yep. but that's not, not the right way because they tried to make a move last season, but it, it's encouraging because we have talked about how they're kind of in this like pivot point where they could theoretically go for like a rebuild or a retool, whatever you want to call it, where maybe they aren't like necessarily competing for a top four seed, but trying to be like the six to 10 range basically and could like maybe make the person not, but now it's like they want to be a top four seed. Let's say. They also, they also identified him, I think, pretty early here as the guy they wanted, or at least that they, if they had a chance that they wanted, because Woj tweeted uh, following up to Tim McMahon's report that the Pacers quote worked quickly, quietly and quickly to get a deal done with Rick Carlisle team had planned to start interviews with several candidates in Chicago this week. And then talked about Carlisle's resume with the Pacers, which was funny because he called him a top assistant with Larry Bird, even though he was the head coach of the team. But, um, yeah, that's I think, interesting. I don't know why he, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, no, it's just kind of a funny way. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The phrasing was that. Funny. Somebody was like, yeah, it's funny. That was like when he remember the report of Miles Turner going down with a gruesome ankle injury in Brooklyn when he just like got clipped and went down and played the rest of the game. Um, yeah, so Drew, whoa, doing it for the clicks, man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I think that that, that that's noteworthy too. Is like that we heard about the Shaw Stotts and Clifford stuff. We talked about that earlier this week. But that you know, I think they realized they had an opportunity to get Carlisle and just said, all right, we don't want any other team to get him. We think he's the guy. We're, we're doing it. So they interviewed him, uh, presumably, <laughs> and and they, they made the offer, right? They, they decided he was the guy. So the quick and quiet part, get ahead of these other teams with openings. Maybe there's another opening soon for a team that was reportedly going to be interested in him. So big move by the Pacers to do this. And another factor, too, we got this reporting, I think, from Tim McMahon as well. Last week is that Dallas decided that uh, something with Rick Carlisle's contract, I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically like, the other team wouldn't have to, to pay it out. Okay, here it is from one day ago, actually. The Mavericks will not seek any compensation from a team that hires Rick Carlisle despite the coach resigning with two years remaining on his contract, McMahon said. So that probably helped the Pacers as well. That was only one day ago. That was on – he tweeted that uh, on at 7.30 p.m. on June 22nd, so two days ago, right? So that probably helped as well, got this process rolling, and the Pacers acted quick, got ahead of these other teams, and got their guys. So it, it, the timing all worked out extremely well for, for the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, I guess they 
the Patriots seem like we're, we're maybe waiting around for Coach Bud too, which could have been a flip, right? Because Carlisle rumored to kind of be, <laughs> the, be there. the circle of life. Yeah, but uh, I think they decided. I mean, it seems like that Atlanta series is probably going to go seven, just the way game one went, or game go six went, or seven, yeah. or go deep at least, go six or seven. So I mean, that means that would at least be what ten more days till we till he can even interview someone for that job, even interview Coach Bud. So I don't think the Patriots wanted to wait around that much longer. I mean, we're the lottery just happened, so we're a month or so from the draft and. I think you want to get your coach in. I mean, we thought like July 4th was like the hard deadline, but if right, if coach Bud was the one they were going to try to go after, they probably wouldn't be able to hire him to like even mid July. And that's saying it seems to make the comp, make the finals. And then they don't, they can't even hire him in the first place. So I think they, this was a good, good kind of move to make. I was, I was thinking Carl is a better coach than coach Bud. It seems like. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about his actual coaching style briefly, at least what we in our untrained basketball eyes can attempt to do. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, Adam, because Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever. I'm sure if Rick Carlisle tried them, he would love them because they have many delicious flavors. And I have tried many of them, and I enjoy all of them. They have a mixed variety pack that has nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Me and Adam both love the peanut butter brownie. So they have something for everybody, and they're super delicious, 100% covered in chocolate, Protein bars that are great for the health-conscious guy. You got to try all the flavors and see what your favorite is. But most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, try try them out, see what flavors you want and get them. Use the promo code LOCKED15, all one word, number, whatever, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So Adam, I need to read you a tweet really quickly before we continue talking about Rick Carlisle, if you're prepared. I am ready. Okay, Meta World Peace tweeted this. Ron Artest, as Pacers fans know him, NBA player, legend, was an all-star with the Pacers, said, just listen to this guy and you will have a killer career. I remember hating all the play calling, but I was most successful under this guy. My mind was totally not in it, though, under coach. I was third-team All-NBA, defensive player of the year, number one team in the league, and an all-star. And then Ron Artest posts a picture of him with... Rick Carlisle. So uh, I don't want to read too much into one tweet from Ron Artest, but you know, he clearly realized later in his career after playing for a bunch of other coaches and situations, how good Rick was for him. So I think that is noteworthy today. And we've seen with, with teams that Rick's been on, like we, we talked about Tim Hardaway having good years, Jalen Brunson, Doreen Finney Smith, right? All these guys play well for him. His X's and O's half court stuff is clearly impressive and players seem to think he does well setting them up for success with, I think is noteworthy today. Yeah. I mean, you look at our test stats before he, you know, ran into the stands. Um, he was like a 20 point a game guy and was like a, basically like in one season or in seven games of 2004 or five, which would have probably been the Pacers best season in French history. If he didn't run into the stands was that 50, was that basically a 50, 40, 90 guy that season for yeah. eight games. I mean, seven games. So it's, it's obviously that just the beginning, but like, yeah, I mean, you look at Carlisle. So you go through like his kind of top seasons He's able to adjust his his coaching to the team, right? So, like with the 0304 Pacers, they were a top five defensive team. Then you go to the 14 15 Mavs, they're a top five offensive team. So, like clearly, and we talk about the stats a little bit too, but like he's he will figure out how to maximize the players he has to the best ability, right? He's not necessarily like a simply an offensive coach, simply a defensive coach, but he's a coach who can kind of figure out he has this roster and he can do this well, and we're going to push that level. Yeah, it seems funny. This is totally adjacent. But looking at 
uh, pictures of this picture of Ron Artest and Rick Carlisle. Like, I picture Rick Carlisle as this bald guy with the Mavs, and he has so oh, much, have a gray head of hair. He has so much hair in these pictures. It doesn't even look like him. You should see yeah. him as an assistant. There was there was pictures of there were some shots of him during the the MJ doc last year because they when they played that conference final because he was the guy who was kind of like the Dan Burke to Larry Bird sort of like kind of drawing the plays and kind of like the you know the behind the scenes X and O's kind of guy. And they were they were showing Rick Carlisle and he looked very very young and youthful in '98, which he was 38 years old back then. Yeah, and it's not like like obviously he's probably better at offense and defense, you would say, but it's not like he's been bad at defense with Dallas the year they led the league in offensive rating. 2019-20, they were 18th in defense. Luca's rookie season, they were 18th in defense. Yeah. And this past season, they were, I can't scroll quick enough. But you, you would say in the end of years, it was his defensive coaching that was his that was his, call, his calling card. I mean, that, those was. teams were so good because of their defense. Even when you go to his Detroit, like Detroit years, it was a defensive rating. Those, are the, those teams were built for defense. Both the Detroit and Pacers teams of the early 2000s were like, maybe the powerhouse defensive teams of, of that era. But yeah, I mean, that's so it's, it's not like he can't do both. I guess he can't remember Tyson Chandler was a beast playing for him in Dallas that one year in 2014, 15 Tyson Chandler was incredible. Well, and, 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 and the championship run. year, yeah, obviously. Championship run. Yeah. So he's gotten a lot out of good defensive players as well. So yeah, I think he's definitely probably better as an offensive coach than a defensive coach. You would say, but certainly good at defense has gotten a lot out of defensive centers, which is good for miles has gotten a lot out of uh, offensively talented bigs in terms of Dirk, not comparing Dirk and Sabonis at all in terms of skill set or abilities or anything, just very generally gets a lot out of offensive players and their skills is able to set them up for success for many guys. So I think it's good for a lot of the starters, really, that the, the yeah, way he I, coaches. And, and again, Ron Artest's words mean a lot to me here because he played – He was Ron Artest was really good, right? He played yeah, for a ton for of teams. about a season and a half, and then he just couldn't – he was kind of shaky for <laughs> – Well, he was good. Stuff. I think he was good for more than that. I mean, On the a, court, he was always a great player. I just thought he could stay on the court. I think He was a 15-plus game scorer for like over a half decade, plus a really good defender on, again, his best. I know. I, just, what he, I mean, like I said, he was a great player, but like the off-the-court thing kind of – the Pacer fan ruins his career for me personally. Uh, oh, of course, of course. But I just think him bouncing around, right, from the Bulls to the Pacers to the Kings to the Rockets to the Lakers, like he went to all these teams when he was still good, and he looks back at his career and says, wow, you know, Rick was one of the best coaches for me. So I think that's really noteworthy for a guy that bounced around a lot, has a lot of experience, played with a lot of guys, played with a lot, for a lot of coaches. So that means a lot, and I think uh, that that bodes well for Rick's opportunity with the current Pacers roster yeah I, I think the one thing to wonder and I don't think this is necessarily that true but there obviously has been like you know you talk about rumors of him not being able to get along with players that well like the question is I don't like is he at an age range where like players might tune him out but I think it doesn't seem that way Dallas wanted to keep him in, like last what before they got before he left the week before they were sending him to be a coach for the rest you know rest of his career there right that's what Cuban said I think two weeks ago so um I think he's obviously to, to connect with players pretty well it's just that was the one kind of thing you have to be wary of. But it seemed like the Pacers players want to be coached. You could see that this season early on where, like, they were praising Bjorkren because he was drawing up interesting plays and, like, doing things differently. And they're, they're interested by that, right? They, the players and the Pacers are, like, not, like, none of them, I think, think they're, like, the greatest superstar on the planet. They all realize their limitations a little bit and want to be coached and maximize the roster the best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll be very interested to see what he can do with this Pacers team when he's introduced, what the quotes are from the team and what he has to say about coming back to his old organization. That's pretty rare. I think the last coach who came back to a team they coached before, uh, this is from Dan Feldman of NBC, was Flip Saunders, right? This is, it's been almost two decades, so it's not like the Pacers. Mike Brown did it too, right? Didn't Mike Brown go from the Cavs somewhere else back, back to the Cavs? Yeah, I think so. Flip Saunders is the most recent. So it's not Jackson like Jackson did that too, of. right? He, he was a Lakers coach and he retired and came back. 
Yeah, not quite the same, but similar. Yeah, so uh, that that's a fun part of this too. I wonder if there'll be any interesting storylines to come from that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about coaching this team and and what it means for the Pacers going forward. And I think he's a great basketball fit coaching this roster. The uh, you know the only concern I have now that we're at the end, <laughs> I'm being, being dumb for bearing this, but like you know the, the rubbing with players is certainly a thing that we've heard before. Uh, his his and Luca's relationship has been reported to be not perfect, right? So what does that mean for a roster that's that's chafed under the last two coaches? Uh, and, and maybe if, if you chafe with Rick Carlisle, you say, okay, this is three coaches in a row, guys. Like, what the hell's going on here? Um, but I, I think that's noteworthy and interesting. Um, they talked about the pendulum not wanting to go too far back the other way. And there's a point where you get a coach that's so good, you just you throw out your analogies and you say, we want the really good coach. And that's, I th- you know, they, they got the really good coach. So the, the, that's something to, I guess, consider going forward. That That's certainly an interesting factor at play here. But basketball-wise, resume-wise, uh, what he gets out of players wise. And, and like Doug McDermott played for him. Remember, like, I think he's the only player on the roster that has played for him, but Doug McDermott played really well in Dallas. He shot extremely well from deep in his half season there. So I think that it's, it's, it's fair to say he gets a lot out of all of his players, even if there is some, some stuff going on there. And that's what I said with Bjorken. Like if he was still coaching fantastic basketball games, it wouldn't really matter. Like that off course stuff doesn't matter as much winning kind of cures all that. So I think Rick Carlisle is a great fit and a great hire. It's just something to consider. Yeah, and I mean, this is this hire makes some sense, right? Larry Bird is still an advisor of the team. Herb Simon was the owner yep. still back then. So, I mean, there's like... That's true. Both there's, a true. Lot of, there's a lot of connections still. And and, and Carl left. I don't think it really had anything to do with him. It just had to do with the fact that the team, basically because of the brawl, ruined whatever was going on. They needed to kind of reset. I mean, it wasn't, you know, similar, I guess, to Vogel in some ways, a little bit. Although, I mean, that, that team should have traded Paul George that summer, so it was kind of the same concept. But yeah, <laughs> same thing where like they kind of just needed a reset instead of running it back and they couldn't really, they didn't really want to. And Larry Bird also believes in like a coach loses his voice for so many years or whatever that kind of BS thing is to be honest. But yeah, so it makes some sense. And this, this, I thought it always meant that he would come back once he got released, you know, because I thought he knows everybody here and it's not like he was a bad coach here. He was probably, he's probably the best coach in franchise history, frankly. Doug McDermott in Dallas. This is, I think he's the only player on the Pacers roster who's played for Carlisle. Only yeah, 26 his, games, but still. His stats are ridiculous. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, 49.4% from deep on a three-point attempt rate that was higher in Dallas than it was this past season with the Pacers. So ridiculous true shooting, 61%. Uh, they had him flying around, shot well from the free throw line, nine points per game in 22 minutes. So I'm not even sure if McDermott will be back necessarily, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he had the ball and like a little bit more responsibilities in Dallas than he had at, at previous stops in his career. And then that hot shooting kind of led him to getting the contract he got from the Pacers. So we'll see if McDermott's back or not. I'm sure he was consulted in the process before that story gets out of control. But yeah, I think that, you know, even a role player that d- did well for the Pacers also did well under Carlisle and Dallas. Uh, and he was the first guy who kind of had McDermott playing the way that we've seen McDermott play now, right? Where he's flying out of the corners all the time and occasionally putting the ball on the floor. So great hire. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the team and what he has to say about coaching this team. I'm really looking forward to all that. Sam, I'm, I'm pumped. This is a, this is this, like of all the hires, this was the one I would be most, was most excited about, I think. So yeah, obviously summer, yeah. C- content pivot from, from draft week and lotto week. We'll be doing more coaching stuff, maybe into the weekend. Honestly, if more info comes out on this, we'll do another podcast. Um, but you know, next week we'll talk about what players can benefit the most from this, what it means for the team quotes from press conferences that will inevitably either happen Monday or over the weekend. Uh, it's only Thursday, I guess. So it could be on Friday. I keep thinking it's Friday because we're doing our last podcast of the week, but yeah, th- there's a lot of ripples from this. So putting draft week on hiatus or draft preview week on hiatus to talk about Rick Carlisle. You got any other thoughts you have here, Adam? No, I think I'm good. I'm excited for this. Me too. I'm looking forward to seeing 
what this means for the future of the Pacers. Uh, and if you happen to, to have listened to this point before 1 p.m. on Thursday, I'll be on 1070, the fan talking with Kevin Bowen about the hire. But I doubt you're listening before then because that's only an hour from now. But thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll have more news on this hire as more info comes out. And we will see you soon.